Hello everyone, my name is Ahmed Al Balaghi and I'm coming to you live from Area 2721 in Dubai for our fifth episode of Encrypted. Unfortunately, today I'm not joined by Faisal. I think he's in Germany somewhere having fun. But today I am joined by Anika who has been missing the past few episodes. Say hello. Hello everyone. This is Anika here. Uh, I've been missing you guys for the last few weeks. but this week I'm back with uh, another exciting episode of Encrypted and this episode we're going to share more about the uh, blockchain developments and ecosystem in India uh, I'm pretty much sure you guys going to love it so let's get started Amit yeah absolutely so me and Anikat we attended the international blockchain congress in Hyderabad and it was a 3 day conference two days in hyderabad one day in goa and i think it was by far one of the one of the biggest conferences dedicated to blockchain in india right right this is uh, this was actually one of the biggest conference uh, being held in india so far as you must have seen there were like a lot of government officials attending and giving speeches during the conference yeah uh, and as a matter of fact the day 3 of the conference in goa it was entirely sponsored by the goa government so they they flew us from hyderabad to goa they did all the arrangement for few people few people important people in the crypto industry and uh, yeah i mean the space in india is exploding uh, yeah, we, we got for free things to happen we got free hotel rooms for the <laughs> for the night for no, the we, we got like vip rooms we got free free day tour for the conference in goa and it was not easy actually so they they did it only for a handful of people and we were lucky to be a part of it absolutely yeah so i thought that the the crypto space in india was one where the government didn't really know what was going on they started like a bit like china sort of trying to ban everything um, especially since exchanges you know they looked like financial institutions but they weren't operating in a regulated way and so all i know is that at least in india the, there's been a couple of times when the price of bitcoin has been higher than the world price oh it's still higher <laughs> is it still higher oh okay so that that's yeah, yeah. sort of the perception i had of of india um b- before going there i'm not surprised at all <laughs> because a lot of people like you had the same impression but uh, i i'm definitely sure that after the conference this might have changed Yeah, it definitely changed. I think um regarding how how it changed, we'll, we'll get into that a bit later, but it definitely did change um for sure. I don't want to give everything all at once in the beginning. <laughs> do do you quickly want to sort of give everyone a background of of the ecosystem in India? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think uh, there's a need for it and not many people know what's going on in India East and Indian blockchain ecosystem. So I can just categorize the blockchain development happening into India into three buckets. First is regarding the government side and that's not uh, a very good news for people in India and people who are looking to tap into this jobs because uh, Indian government is just being very neutral and to be on the safer side uh, and not and delaying all the hearings from the last few months on blockchain or cryptos. Um though they say publicly okay we 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 promote blockchain we are very much in, in favor of blockchain uh their stance towards crypto still remains the same and we're just hoping for a, a new hearing that's going to be happening on 10th of september and see how it's going to be what when you mean the stance to uh, is the same what do you mean by that so uh in june uh, indian government passed uh, a law that not uh, no banks can uh, 
collaborate with the crypto exchanges. So RBI banned uh, cryptocurrencies in India. Not uh, not even a single official body of uh, Indian government can have relationship with any any exchange of India. And after that, there there been many petitions filed by the people of India, lawyers, but uh, they said uh, we're gonna be we are observing the space very carefully, but there's no official statement yet. So on 10th of September, there's gonna be a hearing where people where the government's gonna decide the future of Bitcoin. That's the name of the hearing feature of Bitcoin in India, and it's going to cover both exchanges and cryptocurrencies. But we are not very pessimistic. We are not very optimistic about that because of a couple of reasons. Like, uh, so in 2019, there's going to be Indian election and people are hoping that this, the government is going to be on the safer side and be neutral and see the world trends um, before passing any, any statement on that. And uh, recently, we we also seen that SEC is also delaying the ETF hearing. So this might be another reason why Indian government won't pass any any statement on cryptos on 10th of September. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Right. So this is this was from, from the government stance. Uh, second is from the projects. So as you must have seen in China, in states, in England, or other part of the world uh, where crypto is very uh, prominent, you see at least good projects coming out from the country. You see, uh, you know, uh, a benchmark project like in China we have Neo VeChain, in uh, in USA we have Ethereum, uh, in Singapore we have Cockchain. So we have all these projects that you know like define the country. But in India, uh, unfortunately, there's nothing like this. There are a few projects, but there are I wouldn't say there's not even a single project in top hundred. Of the coin market cap, okay, and uh, the projects that are develop, developing are actually pretty good, uh, but it's gonna take a lot of time for them to be known in the space for doing good things, or you know, to to make their presence in the blockchain world. This is uh, because of the reason, unlike other countries, cryptos in India started from illegal activities. I know, like that started in other parts of the world as well. You had silk roads and stuff, but India it just went to a higher level, where all the initial companies uh, from 2014 to 16 that started were a big scam, and uh, many of them, many of these companies are already sh- shut down by the government. So it just uh, people in India are not very comfortable holding cryptos, and they don't think crypto is gonna be the future. At least they used to think a few few months ago, but uh, the things have been changing and sort of development. Uh, I'm sure you must have also seen the conference is actually leading uh, to the way of promoting blockchain in India. Absolutely. And um, to, to quickly go back as well regarding um, the regulation side of it, especially on the back of the on the back of the scams. Actually, I wouldn't blame the government for delaying the process primarily because of two reasons a because typically financial regulations would be well at least traditionally and historically they would be led by um, the western states before um, other nations will probably go in and maybe right. you know they would take a few that, things that have been the general and, trend in the, in the past few years so. yeah and um, also secondly at least from from a um from a news article, Bitcoin.com, we'll put this on the show notes. So here, um, like something that's very interesting, 
um, which talks about um, the the regulations in in India. And I think what what's what's really clear about the Indian government is that they just want to ensure that they understand where the money is coming from. So what I mean by that is if an exchange was to um, be operating in India, the Indian government don't really want to actually just ban crypto. They don't want to ban the trading of it. They, they just want to ensure that a mechanism is in place so that the money that is used to buy cryptocurrencies is not illegal and that the, the tracking of it is the most important thing. And so I think for them, at least from the KYC and AML point of view, I think that's very important. And for, for the longevity of this industry, that has to be solved and it has to be thought out appropriately. I'm not sure if they will have a solution by September the 10th, um, but it's good that they're thinking from that angle because um, it, might, it might not seem that they want to ban it ultimately, but they just want to ensure that, you know, if I were to put $10,000 onto an exchange, the exchange would have a certain process to understand where I got this $10,000 from, right? I mean, if I had a job, then I would say, okay, these are my papers. I'm, I'm working X, Y, Z, and um, this is where I got my money from. And this is sort of the, the flow of funds and the, the AML piece that a lot of regulators are worried about, especially when it comes to cryptocurrency. So I think it will be really interesting to see what happens on the 10th of September, because <laughs> like you said, everyone is still figuring it out. So I think that that, that has been a world problem that's not uh, specific to India. Yeah, but I think why Indian government is being very conservative on this is... Uh, I am not sure whether you know you might be knowing this. India has a parallel cash economy. Seventy percent of the people in India prefer to use cash, and all the most of the cash in India is unregulated. It's unaccounted. So Indian government from the last few years is trying hard to cut the cash part of it and move the economy to digital, as you have seen in China, that people hardly use cash. So India, Indian government also have this sort of vision that move the Indian economy to, to digital mode where things can be accounted for. I don't know whether you know the demonetization uh, that happened in 2016. Yeah. Uh, the basic purpose of the demonetization was to move the economy towards uh, a digital economy and get rid of all the account unaccounted money that uh, businessmen and other people are having in India. That absolutely makes sense. I think that was because of the demonetization that that's where we saw the biggest arbitrage between price right, of Bitcoin exactly. and the price of Bitcoin in the rest yeah. of the world. One yeah. bucket is left. Uh, I didn't talk about the developers. Oh, yes. So all the users who are in the space, uh, in the in the blockchain part of it, this is the area where all the projects, all the thought leaders from around the world should focus on developers. Uh, India is known for its developers. And in blockchain also, I'm recently seeing a lot of dev shops being set up all around India. And uh, it's, I won't say that they are working towards next Ethereum or next big projects, but we can look at as a service provider. Uh, as you know, in blockchain projects, you need a lot of developers and a lot of support in different areas. So all these shops are helping out projects from all around the world in some way or the other. And having said that, doesn't mean that all these sort of inventions can't be hap happening in India. Uh, it's just that it's going to take some time. 
but the developed community in india is is booming it's, it's booming a lot yeah no i think we could easily tell that from the conference just seeing the amount of developers that were in the teams of the projects that were in the exhibitions and the projects that actually came to the conference was um, not a surprise as well um the, the projects that we saw in the conference were of, of good quality um i mean they're comprised of very new projects um they also comprise of projects that did sort of an ico many months ago and they're already known in the ecosystem i could definitely see the the projects that we saw at least categorized into three different um let's say verticals um the first would be reverse icos um the second would be there would be enterprise solution projects and the third would be um you know the hardcore you know building decentralized solutions or decentralized protocols so if we were to go to the first one reverse icos do you want to quickly explain that anikat yeah so we're talking about reverse icos i'll i'll say reverse ico is uh, basically tokenizing the existing existing business so let's say you're running a successful company and uh, with the invent of blockchain we we see application of blockchain in every industry and you want to tokenize some part of your operations then you can opt for reverse icos it's uh, or if you're like short of money if you want to raise more funds then this can be another option for you so in in a nutshell reverse ico can be defined as the icos of existing businesses mm-hmm. and existing uh, startups Yes so that that's what reverse ICO is and one project that we saw in the conference was a Indian VC backed peer to peer car rental startup it's called Drivezy and they were established in 2015 and it's it is a localized peer to peer car rental service in in India so a lot of Indians would know this and um, they did a security token offering back in back in January and the reason why is because they actually wanted to build a model where the holders of the of their tokens would get 95% of the revenue that is generated so that is a pretty big deal and for them to go through the STO route is a um, very interesting a very credible as well yeah of course uh, i think ST, STO has been on a new trend and a safer trend for the companies who are uh, doing or who, who are trying to do things in a regulated market like india in terms of securities and it's it makes sense for existing companies and businesses to to follow the sto path i would personally say but uh, yeah uh, it's still being debated I, i'll say that so i i realize we've been talking about security token offerings and ST- STOs without um really explaining it so it's it functions a lot like um a regular ICO which is an initial coin offering the only difference is in the terminology and um regulation so the ideas regarding to ICOs is that many people have done ICOs but the actual token could look like a security and so if you were to sell unregistered securities it could mean significant fines and prison sentences from um, regulators in the US and Switzerland the UK and of course a security could be anything like an equity a bond a derivative and the idea of a security token offering is basically tokenizing um that security and essentially having it in a digital form um and so while security laws apply to these tokens they also have their added benefit in terms of liquidity accessibility and traceability 
So when somebody comes and issues uh, security tokens, that's a security token offering, i.e. they've issued tokens um, which abide by security laws. So those are what security tokens are and they're actually um, a current trend and it's a very good um, avenue, I think, for, for many. It's so a very safe one, I would say that. I would say safe as well, especially because you have yeah. all these utility tokens trying to say that they're not um, security, security tokens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that, that's sort of the first vertical, the reverse ICOs. The second were the enterprise solutions. So where you're seeing a lot of projects, um, one of them is like Zebi, where they're trying to create a, a system whereby they could get enterprises and governments in a, in, a, in, a, in a world of sort of private blockchains and being able to facilitate a process where data would be protected and not be sort of public, like how the Bitcoin blockchain is. The, the third vertical is what is most, I think, the most important vertical, which is really trying to create um, decentralized systems and protocols. I think one of the really interesting projects that we met were Matic Network. Yeah, what they're doing is they're having a sidechain to your existing blockchains. For those of you who don't know, sidechain is uh, sidechain is is a plugin solution that can be uh, applied to your existing DApp. Uh, we can you just plug into your DApp, and you don't need to change anything in your smart contract. It's just a plugin solution, and that will give you uh, maybe ten times, hundred times, a thousand times scalability. They say two two past sixteen times scalability. But uh, in a nutshell, it'll improve the scalability of your DAO. Yeah, and so they're, they're trying to do it in a decentralized manner. And for those of you who are, who are unaware, you know, in decentralized protocols and systems, there's an issue of scalability and speed. So with Bitcoin, for example, um, transactions, um, there are seven transactions a second. And that's not you know, if there were millions of people wanting to use Bitcoin, then there would be, you know, a clog of a network. And Ethereum has been seen um, in the past to have clogged up many times. And so now what we're seeing, we're seeing um, a, a huge surge of, of teams and developers trying to come up with a, a solution to the scale, scalability problem that we're seeing right now. Yeah, and uh, uh, a lot of scaling uh, DApps are trying to do this, but Matic already has um, testnet and they're already having dApps on it. So it's doing pretty good things uh, in terms of improving the infrastructure of uh, blockchain networks. So yeah, uh, moving forward with our discussions, I think an uh, important part of the conference was the Goa partnership. A lot of, lot of uh, good things happen over there and a lot of surpri surprising things as well, Ahmed. So Ahmad, would you like to share your experience in Goa with with our listeners? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, what was like what happened was really hilarious. So we we went into the conference. We were you know just scouting the the venue, seeing because there were many different tracks, um, and it was very busy. There were um, I think a thousand plus um, at the conference, and then we went to the agenda board, seeing okay, what um, which talks should we go listen to? I didn't realize until I looked at the agenda um, the second time that my name was randomly put as one of the panelists during um, during the conference. And the track was the government track. And I realized that I was going to be on a panel with um, a few people from the private sector and the government and the, and the public sector as well. 
and one of the, the public sector representatives was the IT director of the government of Goa. And it was such an interesting panel that we had. And so, so I don't know how I ended up being on the panel because I didn't get a confirmation. So, but yeah, it was really interesting. The, I realized that at least from speaking to representatives from, from the government, particularly the IT director, he was um, very well versed in, in his blockchain knowledge. He acknowledged um, the sort of the challenges, the, the opportunities that they saw as well. And they were very, very um, forward thinking, particularly when it comes to education, even to the extent that they want to educate even the laymen, such as the police, such as the, um, even the nurses as well, about what blockchain is. Um, although I have different opinions to that, but it's, it's very ambitious and um, it's, really, it's really positive, I think, seeing that from the, from the Goa government. Yeah, I think uh, in India, Goa is, uh, is really moving forward with the blockchain agenda. And as Ahmed said, that they're being really ambitious and in terms of educating everyone, especially the women, in India. So as a part of the initiative, they're going to be organizing the world's biggest women hackathon in Q4, in Q1 of 2019. So uh, for all the women around the world, if they're targeting to do something in India, I think Goa is, is, a, is a bright place for them. Also in the conference, we realized that uh, everyone was focusing a lot on ed educating the youth, the young developers, young entrepreneurs. So I feel that in a developing countries or emerging countries like India, uh, this is a key route to be followed, at least by the government officials to promote or to realize the best uh, utility of this uh, evolutionary technology. And this can only be done if governments work very closely with the private sector and uh, they have uh, a common goal. What do you think, Ahmed, on this? Absolutely. So um, it looks like here, yeah, at least throughout the majority of this episode, we talked about the past, present, and now we're, we're talking, um, we're touching on the future. I really do think that the public and private collaboration is extremely important in, in making this uh, technology mainstream, particularly from um, the crypto asset side of things, and um, also from the user experience as well. And so... I think that, um, you know, particularly in India, from what I've seen, at least it has the, the right parts to, to move forward. So what I mean by that is you have um, forward looking um, state governments, you have the 1 million gra graduates who are graduating with a computer science degree. And you, you have the work ethic culture as well. And so you, I think with, with all these um, different components, I think India will compete very well in the world stage when it comes to actually creating and producing um, these different solutions and applications using blockchain. Let's just hope that the regulators are in favor on the September 10th and see, see what happens then. Yeah, of course. The, the developers, the, the, the entrepreneurs in India, like, uh, like us, they don't care about the hearing of 10 September. They're still going to develop good things. They're still going to move forward with their own agenda. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we are very bullish and optimistic about things going on in India. So let's hope for the best for every one of us. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you very much for, for listening to, to this episode. If you like what you heard, please give us a 
a review on iTunes. Those reviews help us a lot. And um, do follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Anika, to where can people um, get in contact with you? My, my, my LinkedIn is uh, in the comment section. Just DM me, DM me. I'm online 24-7. So we'll be happy to chat with you and discuss more about blockchain. All right. And as ever, you could find me on Twitter at Arabalaghi, A-R-A-B-A-L-A-G-H-I. And also the encrypted channel, which is at encrypt underscore D. Um, so that's at encrypted with a encrypted E. Um, and yeah, uh, you could also find me on LinkedIn as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encrypted. We hope you've enjoyed it. We are on a mission of making blockchain an inspiring reality. So we thank you for supporting us on this journey. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help the show a lot. Thanks for joining us.